0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another podcast episode of Bible. This is Matthew.
1: And this is Kevin.
0: And we are going to watch Voyager Season 7, Shattered. Uh, I have mostly good memories of this show. It kind of feels like the anomaly of the week with interesting hijinks ensuing sort of Braga-type episode, uh, if, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I remember I remember enjoying the episode. I do remember a faint sense of we've been here before between, let me think, uh, relativity, theory, and what was that one from like season one or two where Voyager splits in two?
0: Twisted, I believe
1: it was. No, no, no. Twi- Twisted was the one with the boring alien that just made a maze of the ship. This is the one where like one Janeway had to like blow up her ship to save the other one.
0: Oh, well, I don't think that was season one, but
1: uh... it was like season one or two. I'm I'm blanking on the name and it was like split or discord or something. I can't remember that, but it it was another one of those. There's, there's many voyagers in one place type stories. So this isn't as bad as other instances of we've been here before, but it did kind of, I don't know, it, it, it kind of raised the radar for me that um, elements well, of this episode have appeared elsewhere.
0: I think that um, we have before given things a pass if there's seeming repetition of uh, ideas or concepts. I mean, there's only so many concepts to go around, right? Um, you can redo an idea if you do something interesting with the characters. And I, I do think... This episode, uh, I mean, we should probably just start it. But you know, there there are interesting things that occur that make the episode worth watching, uh, even if I agree it feels a bit. It, like, well, like I said, it feels like an anomaly of the week episode, and I'm always up for an anomaly of the week, even if it's vaguely reminiscent of a previous anomaly of the week. You just have to do something else uh, to to make it worth my while. So I have my. Name optical media ready to go. I assume you have your streaming ready to go. Yep, and we will press play together in three two one press play All right, so no captain's log and we are starting on children We have Naomi Wildman who's really always welcome in an episode to me. Uh, I think the actress does a great job. And of course we have Manu Intaremi as Ichab, a wonderful character who I'm sure will go places. Normally I try to
1: watch these before we review them. I I didn't get a chance to watch this one because I just finished uh, last week's uh, Flesh and Blood, so I'm watching this one fresh
0: well so the um the teaser here or at least the pillar filler portion of the teaser is each talking with manor Cote about oh geez what is he drinking
1: antarian like, cider which is different antarian than, like, cider Antidian, yeah. uh <laughs> it's just one of those there's like six Phonemes that make up alien names, and that's how they range them this week.
0: Well, maybe it's literally from the Antares star system, you yeah, know, whatever. Um, my kids and I just watched Ben Hur, actually, and in Ben Hur, the sheikh um, has four horses who are named after uh, stars, um, and many stars have Arabic names, as you might know. So I wonder if you can guess the four stars.
1: Um, not off the top of my head. Uh, I'm trying. I'm running through the list, and I think is Beetlejuice an Arabic name? No, or it might
0: be, but it, it wasn't one of these. So the four stars were Antares, uh, Rigel, or Rigel, um, Aldebaran, and uh, oh crap! Now I'm blanking on the fourth one. It wasn't Beetlejuice though. Altair makes sense yeah and you'll find those star names in lots and lots of sci-fi so one of your least favorite jokes just occurred on screen kevin and that was uh burning the roast with the replicator
1: i've never understood how the rep like if the replicator got it how could the replicator successfully replicate a burnt roast
0: yeah I agree. It's and a dumb and cheap joke.
1: And because we're living in a world of heightened awareness of things, I actually think it's a shitty joke because the joke is because Janeway is not a traditional woman, she can't even replicate well. And th- like, there's no humor to be had there because all hu- most humor derives from some clash of expectation. And there's no clash of expectation unless the idea is, she should be able to at least replicate something and can't even do that. And I don't know, I, I find the joke lazy and dumb and unfunny. So there right,
0: yeah, right. I Yeah, I do think there is a residue of that sexism. I don't think they were consciously going for it, but ultimately it kind well, of left.
1: Well, me. as we have learned in, in this day and age, uh, sexism, racism, homophobia, they, they do not require active animus. They are <laughs> yeah. part of a broader systemic problem. So here we are, systemic sexism vis-a-vis Janeway's uh, replicator skills.
0: Oh, I mean, the, the idea of systemic sexism with Janeway and Kate Mulgrew is a, a rich, rich topic uh, to mine. Um, anyhow, the ship gets zapped by the anomaly of the week. And it, uh, I guess the theory here is that it's somehow tied to the warp core, okay? because as we're going to see, uh, the ship becomes shattered between different time periods, right? And if you go out to one deck, it's one time period and another deck, it's another time period, which is, hey, that's a fine setup for me because I'm all for uh, looking at the past through a different lens, through from a different angle. But it does raise the question, I mean, Seven years ago, the ship was in the Alpha Quadrant and four years ago, it was 10,000 light years away. So somehow it's like anchored on the warp drive. Um, the same question, of course, occurs to me with Back to the Future. You know,
1: I'll, I'll say this, plenty of uh, time travel sci-fi in Star Trek in particular, but also generally, the the physical place or person you are does seem to have some, I don't know, inertia, temporally speaking. So it's it's it, this episode certainly didn't invent it.
0: Well, my point is at least this episode just sort of briefly addresses it and gives it an explanation. That means at least they thought about it. You know, they could have just ignored it, right? Which lesser shows would certainly do. So I really like what Robert Picardo is doing here, he really feels early season Voyager. You know, the way he's delivering the lines, he's just putting a little bit more archness to it. He's not softened yet.
1: Yeah, he's a little pissy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if you watch those early seasons, he totally does that. So it's a credit to both the writing and the acting. Um, This is a Chakotay-heavy episode, which we don't get many of. Uh, And he's not boxing, and he's not doing some sort of, you know, spirit quest or something. So, cool, (laughs) right?
1: I I mean, one of my running comments for several episodes in season seven will be, you know, too little too late. Um, Do I care enough about Chakotay to even now let him anchor an episode, even if they're not being dumb about the way they do it? I'm not mad not like repulse, I'm not repelled from the episode by the fact that it's anchored on Chakotay, but I feel like if this were a Bolana episode, I would be an order of magnitude immediately more invested.
0: You may be right. I can see that. Um, however, in terms of this story, it's not really about Chakotay at all.
1: Well, yeah, you could plug in any character, I, I agree. <laughs> and um, I love...
0: Sir, I'm afraid I don't
1: know you. They never get the bun right. And to this day, I don't know if it's that Kate Mulgrew's hair was longer in the first season so that whatever piece they were putting in her hair was different. But since season one, and you can literally just – and maybe it's because you couldn't just pull stills on the internet of every single episode – but every time relativity theory and right now they never get the bun quite right this is better than theory because Fury, her whole hair color was off <laughs> this is the cl- I will I will give them credit this is the closest it's been
0: do you think she's wearing a bumpet under there
1: it's at least some kind of like fall or piece like it, it if there is a additional piece under the additional hair, I wouldn't be surprised. But she is definitely wearing extra stuff. Um, okay, and maybe this is, this is where the relativity angle really comes to light. It's that we interact with season one Janeway, who doesn't trust them. Because in Relativity it was seven, and here it's Chicote, where season one Janeway doesn't trust this character. So it's yeah. like note for note, the same dynamic, and maybe that's what's kind of pulling me in a way that is like, oh, we've we've literally done this before. Well,
0: there's a different angle on this story, though. Really, the story mm-hmm. is about Janeway, and this episode gives Janeway information about the future, and she asks the reasonable question whether she should stop this future from occurring mm. you know and so the, the theme of the episode is uh that valuable things have happened despite they're being stranded in the delta quadrant plus we get seska
1: i mean i i was i was about to say i will say whatever my other qualms about the episode getting martha hackett back on set is a completely valid choice for whatever your episode um not thrilled to see the K's on again, per se, but Seska herself is a joy.
0: Hey, at least we didn't get fucking Maj Kala or something. I,
1: to this day, I wish they had killed Kala and kept Seska alive as a prisoner. Like whatever they, and they did it a little bit with Suter, and eventually, you know, killed him off too, but i really think sesca just in the brig for seven years giving snide commentary on janeway's <laughs> tactical choices yeah. would have been delightful
0: well and really they should have kept the whole sesca chakotay child angle too uh, i can understand why you don't want to write for it um but Maybe. yeah it's it's fascinating stuff uh in terms of his feelings, it would have made him a more interesting character.
1: Well, I mean, if nothing else, they would have had to have breached a singular rule that Voyager had different than DS9, which is about serialized storytelling. Uh, Here in the quarantine, I've been watching about three episodes a week on Netflix watch party with some friends. We've been going through, uh, a couple of them have not watched Deep Space Nine. So we've been going through like uh, two or three episodes a week and we just got to the end of season two. And it's delightful to watch G-Space Nine through them. Like, there were literally people who didn't know what happened to the Odyssey, and and listening to them watch what happened made my week. <laughs> so my only question oh – no, 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 I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I was about to make a – I I misread a comment I thought he was about to say that the sickbay was from from before they left, and I'm like, well, shouldn't the human doctor have been there? But
0: The sickbay seems like a year in something like that. Um, chronoton infused hypospray casing.
1: (laughs) Chronotons are just the metachlorians of Star Trek, aren't they?
0: Well, I mean, they don't make characters better or anything, but yeah. It's... Like, inaprovaline and chronotons are sort of... uh...
1: I mean, I, I will say in this episode's favor, there's a... I'm happy that each location seems to have a consistent timeline. I think it would have been very easy to give themselves the permission that any place could be any when they wanted so I'm happy that they appear to have anchored themselves in that way. Um, I'm a little, I know what's about to happen here, and I'm a little annoyed that Janeway lets herself get close enough to Chakotay to take her hostage because that be <laughs> like a stupid plot decision. Um, well, you'd think that
0: all these security guys would just stun both of them. Yeah. You know?
1: It's, it's it's better than it's Hazer. Yeah, just, um, I, and again, so I will say up close, this is definitely the best wig uh, for, for Janeway. They've, they've gotten much closer. They, they must have gotten the letter that 12 uh, year old Kevin wrote about the wig from Fury. Cause I was, I clocked that immediately. <laughs> and, um,
0: so I'm, I'm looking at Kate Mulgrew. And Robert Beltran and you know it's like they could not do scenes with young Tom Paris because he's probably changed the most in terms of appearance he's put on oh, that,
1: that hairline has yeah, the hairline
0: but also 20 or 30
1: pounds well that wasn't so bad it was it was it was pretty bad pretty bad <laughs> um I mean, don't get me wrong. This is not the first nor the last time we will clock Starfleet security for being terrible at their job. At least the security officer was facing them as opposed to facing away from them. (laughs)
0: Lieutenant Andrews. I guess he's dead now.
1: He has to be.
0: He must have been standing by one of the consoles full of explosives. (laughs) So now that she's inoculated, she can go anywhere on the ship she wants. That's right.
1: I will say, this is a good performance from Beltran because it is anchored in his relationship to Janeway. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, he's very checked out by this point. I don't think anyone, Beltran included, would dispute that point. Um,
0: well, when he gets an episode he, you know, he puts his all into it. It's when he's doing the sort of, you know, yes, ma'am, you know, that kind of stuff. He, he doesn't, he's just collecting a paycheck, you know? Cause so like, like this line delivery, I, I believe
1: he cares. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, maybe I'm just being harsh, but I think even on his best day, Beltron was not the best at Technobabble. Janeway, master at Technobabble. Yeah. Russians asked. Um,
0: so, there's a lot of fun dialogue coming up here. Uh, he's going to talk about the telepathic pitcher plant, which is a hilarious phrase. Um, which,
1: that was... The telepathic pitcher plant that was the nebula that made them think they were doing things not the alien who made them think they were doing yeah. things right
0: it's the nebula and there was this guy who was like captain ahab trying to destroy the creature right. and, and the seven
1: plant. was alone on the ship yeah okay
0: okay now manu and Terini is nearly 20 at yeah. this point in the show
1: yeah
0: so it's like there's no way he turns into looking like this guy, right? No.
1: Um, having looked at a recent picture of him in his 40s, nope. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as the Wesley transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Hi, Commander Riker. Look how muscular I am now. <laughs> that being said, this is a better outcome than the one he apparently gets.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I, just, yeah.
1: <laughs> I have to say, I haven't looked at a recent picture of Scarlet Palmer so I don't know how close they got to the mark with her. Um,
0: she is shorter than that. My
1: only critique of this scene, and it's a very petty one, but go with me for a moment, is that uh, he made Lieutenant Commander and she made... I need another shot of her. With her I want to say at least full lieutenant before Harry Kim did.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got officer-level thinking, though. You know?
1: Fair, but, uh, that's fair. That
0: was the button in the... I like these actors.
1: No, they, they did a good job. Like it, It's one of those weird moments. And I'll say, I think she did a better job than he did maybe it's just a face acting thing and it's a tiny distinction but i think uh, naomi did a better job of acting like she was her character it's, it's it i'm not i'm not trying to make too big a deal of it but i don't know like it was a good scene it was a fun scene i think it could have been a amazing scene with like a couple of tiny tw- tweaks. It, 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 it's a tiny thing.
0: I kind of wish that the plot had hinged on them working with them. as Yes, opposed there to we go. You, you,
1: there you go, you solved my problem for me. You, inter- you tantalize me with the idea of the adult versions of these characters I like, and had the plot incorporated them, I would have been more enthused.
0: We've already I'm seen 709. Nine.
1: So I only feel bad about this scene only because reading about how awful uh, Seven of Nine's makeup was, I'm only sad they got Jerry Ryan back into it. I,
0: I, I like it as a scene. I...
1: No, it's a good scene. It's, 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 it... Okay, I will say, if I was going to be picky about plot, my question at this point is... It's kind of interesting, or interesting is the wrong word. It's it's anomalous that every single ship piece, uh, uh place on the ship seems to be located temporarily at its most narratively interesting point. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, please, the turbolift knows how long to take you to your destination to have a conversation. I appreciate that. Um, it's more just everywhere they're going is the most interesting version of where they could go to the point where i'm like did someone plan this i mean because someone did plan it the writers but you know
0: conspicuously they have not visited kess at all and they're not gonna they're not gonna visit (laughs) they're not
1: they're not not. you know i hate to say it had if you in an alternate universe in which you just deleted theory from the world and thrown a Kes throwback into this episode, I would have pissed myself with joy. Like an episode, like if this episode just walked in on Kes in the hydroponics bay and she was just there, can you imagine in a world in which Fury, delete Fury from the world, just just find the, the, the MP4 file and delete it. And in this episode, Janeway walks Though I suppose it wouldn't work because this is season one, Janeway. She doesn't even know Kess yet. Yeah. Forget everything I've just said.
0: Well, no, I think it would be great to see season one, Janeway, meet Kess for the first time.
1: Like, I. Oh my god, that would be. Okay, now I'm back. Now I'm back. Thank you. It would have been a fun inversion because every time, like, every time Janeway. Every time a, a, a present character tends to meet someone we're supposed to find narrative weight from the oh i know where our relationship is going. It would have been interesting to see season 1 Jane because season 1 Jane Way is the most Starfleet she'll ever be. She is the most canonically orthodox Starfleet person she's going to be over the next 7 years. That's the person who is most primed to appreciate a relationship with Kess. I I agree I I I wish they had saved Kes' reappearance for this episode because I think it could have been fun. Like, had you pared down the narrative tree a little to um, Icheb and Naomi from the future and Kes from the past instead of Seven? Because Seven already got her past episode with relativity. Yeah. I, I think a better iteration of this episode... Is each Shev Naomi from the future, Kes from the past, working collaboratively with this Jane Wayne, Gote against Seska? I think that would have been a notch better episode.
0: But they did get most of the way. They gave us some interesting stuff. And I really like that Seska is going to be Seska about it. You know, she's scheming. And she clearly understands that she's going to fail in her mission.
1: No, no, no. Her her one-liner about you know you know they get a little gray in the temple, but they lose like it's a great (laughs) fucking line. It's a great. It's a it's a good piece of writing, and it is delivered skillfully by Martha Hackett. So I'm not I'm not complaining on that front. Though I, I I think this hypothetical alternate episode we're describing would make it the emotionally better episode because right now it's a fun sci-fi romp uh, it has action and it moves and it's not boring I think anchoring it toward future versions of the people we care about and watching like, like with the Kest Naomi Ichev thing we're talking about I think that would have made the episode emotionally resonant as opposed to just Actiony, y resonant you know what i mean hey they're giving
0: us the macro virus you know who they should have brought back since they can't show us young tom they should show us lizard tom from threshold
1: that six and a half seasons you get a narrow <laughs> list of people you can bring back and lizard tom is where you're spending your time yeah
0: you know he just lost his tongue, so he's like, glug, 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 and he's trying to get to the shuttle bay. Uh, just for like two seconds. Hey, they gave us Captain Proton, and this I'm, is amazing. I'm
1: never mad when they go to Captain Proton, but it is clear they're really in love with how easy it is to film in black and white. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: and they don't just go to Captain Proton here. They're going to give us Arachnia. Arachnia. So I guess Tom Paris was already on board.
1: Oh yeah, because they would. Yeah, because Tom was on board when they left. The, um DS Nine.
0: I mean, just getting you know, Lon and you know, what's his face, the the bad
1: guy. Uh... I can never remember. It's so generic. It's like so, <laughs> I can never. <laughs> I always have to look it up because it's so generically um chaotica
0: no yeah, yeah chaotica yes i mean bringing them all back it, they got the robot i mean it's it's just good stuff you know and it, it rewards fans like so i
1: agree this is good fan service i think with a couple of tweaks it could have been great fan service
0: I'm getting the sense that this is before Janeway's turn as Arachnia, where she did the full costume.
1: Like what, you, you mean in the interior timeline of Captain yes. Proton?
0: In the continuity of Captain Proton, this is before her big turn as Arachnia. And his he's hilarious, the laughing, oh, it's, and she gives better eye <laughs> rolls than almost anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they're willing to spend three or four minutes here, you know? It makes me happy. I'm not the one he's in love with.
1: I mean her no, he called her arachne. Yeah, yeah. So this is after. Yeah, oh, maybe. some very serious eyebrows i've been i mean i'm in the middle of a season of rupaul's drag race and those are still the most painted on eyebrows i've ever seen um
0: her acting here is hilarious no and she's shading it as someone who's never done it before and is trying to make it up on the spot
1: oh no this is i hate to say this because i feel like i'm stepping in front of my ultimate review but i i'm starting to develop the feeling this episode is less than the sum of its parts because i agree every single individual scene works well and is a pretty solidly written solid at least solidly written at least solidly acted interpretation of character from period x interacts with period from character y um, or character from period Y where it's like I just what, like yeah like, even like you know Robert Ricardo in this in Sick Bay like every single scene is technically flawless because the actors are good enough to portray the mismatch of interior knowledge. I haven't shaken the feeling yet here hmm. at minute where are we? Uh, 27 of 43 that it still isn't quite going to shake out to a narratively satisfying whole. That's where I am.
0: Okay. I, like I said, the theme is going to be some of the uh, interactions between Janeway and Chicote. Um So maybe it would have elevated the episode if she had done sort of the thing she did in Endgame, where she sort of says, screw it, I'm not going to respect the temporal prime directive, and I'm going to try to stop this. You know? Would that have created more narrative tension for you?
1: Okay, maybe this is where the episode goes a little off the rails for me, because I'm trying to figure out, when were the Maquis on board long enough yeah. before they became part of the crew? I,
0: I don't understand where and when this is supposed to be. I agree with that.
1: Yeah, that's that's a lot.
0: There was the brief period where the Maquis took over the ship again, but that doesn't seem to be this. This seems to be happening soon after the caretaker is destroyed.
1: Right. Wait, what, what when are you talking about?
0: Uh... <laughs> I recall some episode in which the Maquis took over the ship and got back into their old clothes again. They were like under mind control or something.
1: Oh no, that was that was like two weeks ago for repression. Well, there you go. <laughs> but that was like literally two weeks ago, not six years ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and maybe, and maybe here's the thing: we seem to be going through a, there's this thing in drama that Stephen Sondheim identified in his collective lyrics that I've always, that has always stuck with me. When you get to a point where, like, when you tell the audience, I'm going to go through a list, you kind of make the audience dread having to sit through finishing the list, unless you do something really amazing. So by the time you get to Bolana, at literally episode one and a half, you've told the audience, we are consciously going to meet every above title character. And that, again, it's one of those things that kind of reinforces the, the macro level narrative inertness of the episode. Like every individual scene works. Every actor is giving it their all. Every interaction is appropriate. No one is act for, for where you've placed every character, no one is acting out of character for any individual interaction. The problem is, by the time you get to Bolana and Tom and Neelix, I'm at this point of, oh, we literally... Is anyone left? Tuvok, Harry... The dog, like like every single, if, if every single character is going to get a temporally displaced interaction, I'm now sitting there narratively waiting for them to be done rather than having an in-story reason for them to occur.
0: No, I I get what you're saying. There, there is a bit of a lack of overall macro level plot stakes You know, like, we know they've got to fix the shattered state of the ship. But if they do, things will just go back to the way they were,
1: right? Yeah.
0: And so this scene feels kind of cheap.
1: Yeah. I I mean, we've we've clocked many a Star Trek iteration, most in the last 10 years, for giving us a death scene that means nothing.
0: Oh, well... now, let's not compare apples to oranges here. This death scene, we know it's gonna be reversed, but we also know a lot about the characters, consistent character traits, their hopes, their dreams, their fears, th- you know, their relationships with each other. So it can still be affecting that Janeway is deeply, deeply disturbed by Tuvok's death because she's already been friends with him for years. You know.
1: I mean, to be fair, if I watched you die, even if I knew your death would be immediately undone, it would still be traumatizing. Yeah.
0: So I don't, I don't want to uh, tar with too broad a brush here and say this is like discovery level cheap death, like Arium. Like, Arium is a cheap death, you know? Like, I strain to remember her name as a character. And yet we watched like 15 minutes of her tearful farewell, her funeral, it's just like, I don't care about this person. So, you know, like we watched Janeway die, right? And Coda, and then we watched her funeral and we know she's coming back, but it's worthwhile. So this is the most important scene in the episode as far as the
1: theme goes. And, Um, and, And, okay, so having watched the episode, to this point i i think have they trimmed the 7 of 9 and bolana encounters which only exist to pay off the the end game we're getting to where all of these characters walk into engineering with their phasers have they trimmed the less narratively interesting scenes i think they could have dug in deeper to make this a more resonant moment it's not bad it's not not good it's just not as good as it could have been I maybe had they stuck here's the thing I think what would have worked in lieu of the scene with Bolana in the transporter room or even Seven in the cargo bay is a scene for Janeway where they did good um something to like give her something to color her experience that would make Chakotay's argument resonate. Because all she's walked into is a series of things that suggest Voyager should stay the entire fuck home.
0: Yeah. In in a lot of ways, she and Chakotay aren't doing much. They're just sort of taking a tour, you know?
1: Or maybe have they even, um, dispensed with the B'Elanna scene for a later season Seven scene, like some comparison of Borgified Seven versus season six, season seven, seven. That might have been enough, but it, it just it. <sighs> I said this last week about um, Flesh and Blood, and I think it holds here. I I kind of miss in a very ongoing way, Ron Moore's writing. Because Brandon Braga is great at the macro science fiction-y what-if, if-then storytelling. I feel Ron Moore can really then take that idea and stitch it together into a personal or political drama that has real stakes for the lived lives of the characters i agree and that's the, like like ron moore ron moore did such good things with the klingons because he gave all of the klingon story such personal consequence and i feel like he, even if it weren't even like a co-writer but just just to be like hey i have this idea what do you think i think he could have shaped this to a little more hot character resonance.
0: Just to be clear, though, this is not a Braga episode. (laughs) This is a Michael Taylor episode. Uh, And Michael Sussman.
1: Uh, This isn't a Brandon Braga episode. I take back everything I said, but I'm actually shocked. Um.
0: (laughs) So uh, Michael Taylor has done um, Bride of Chaotica (laughs) with Brian Fuller. Think Tank, The Disease... Someone to watch over me. Uh, Relativity, um, Warhead, Alice, Fury, <laughs> um, uh, Workforce Part Two, Teleport. I,
1: I will say it's kind of funny that I clocked the episode for being too similar to Fury and Relativity. Um, yeah, it, it's just something. Especially, like I said, I've been rewatching *U.S. Space 9 with friend with a group of friends, half of whom have and half of whom have not watched it. Uh, And the synthesis from watching those first two seasons is I do miss Ron Moore's ability to portray a science fiction story through personal character interactions. And I feel that is slightly what's missing here. And, And even to a certain extent given that none of the characters now remember any of these interactions it's quite clear that even in the interior of one of these alt timelines that they exist deeper into the episode or deeper into the timeline i should say it, it does kind of rob the episode of a little bit of stakes that there's never a real sense that anything Jacoté does the past timeline people will manifest in the prime timeline for lack of a better expression and maybe that's what maybe that's what's robbing me of real consequence for this story is because I already know from Jump nothing that happens here will change the main story. We're only ever going to get to the status quo.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that in 20 years or whatever, they haven't changed Starfleet uniforms at all.
1: Well, to be fair, they didn't adopt the new uniforms when Starfleet did change the uniforms.
0: That's true. But they're clearly in contact with Starfleet via the Pathfinder. So
1: that would have been, There's a plot thread I would have loved to have seen explored in which, you know, season six, season seven, when they start having contact with Starfleet, they're like, oh, we should change the uniforms. And Starfleet waves them off because then it would be like a ratification of Janeway's incorporation of the Maquis crew. (laughs) I really would have loved a scene where someone said, well, if you give the Maquis the updated uniforms, we have a weaker argument to prosecute them when you get back. I think that would have been a real fun scene.
0: (laughs) He never told her that he built a bathtub for her. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that episode has just sort of been wiped out of continuity. They still clearly remember that it happened, but the script never mentions it.
1: I mean, I understand Kate Mulgrew's arguments, and on a macro level, I do. The idea that the only interesting storyline for a woman is a nerd pairing, blah, 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 blah. That being said, and, you know, truth be told, it's not like I think she and Robert Beltran had... Spencer Tracy chemistry. So it's not like I would have missed... It's not like I miss it. It's just that I wish the st- I wish they had just resolved it as opposed to just forget about it.
0: You know what I want resolved? Is who's in the upper floor of Lord Burley's manor?
1: Well, I assume his crazy ex-wife from the West Indies, just like Jane Eyre, which is what they were ripping off.
0: <laughs> well if it's not on the page it's not on the stage they got you know i want resolution for that hollow novel <laughs> and i want jane Wade to do it with lord burley which plays into your point about the limited roles we give female characters um which is why i liked fairhaven so much.
1: <laughs> I liked the possibility of Fairhaven. The the idea of Fairhaven is fine, except for making it this weird Disnified Irish village. Um the as applied excruciatingly bad.
0: Well, as you know, I'm a big fan of the Space Irish in all their iterations. So we're just gonna have to agree to
1: disagree on that. This is a, this is an audio medium so you can't see me rolling my eyes like <laughs> Janeway during the Captain Proton
0: scene. Oh, ta-ta, ta-ta. Captain Picard, would you like to marry me daughter? Oh, God. <laughs> terrible.
1: <That's> terrible. <laughs> um I don't dispute that you might have a holode- holographic partner for a seventy year trip. I've been in quarantine for six months and honestly a holographic Irishman would do me just fine it's still a terrible episode moving on would um,
0: you take Michael as your as your hollow uh,
1: piece well uh, I mean my, my the data set would indicate that I would not object to you know a nice Irish daddy but that's neither here nor there <laughs> um, back to this episode we're, we're here at the denouement I just Maybe one of my other critiques, and maybe I'm being picky, but it feels like nothing changed and no one learned anything inside Chakotay and Janeway's relationship. And maybe that's the hook that would... really like Go with me for a moment. I'm going to go on a trip, and I'm just going to ask you to come with me. Um, Rascals is a great, terrible episode. Because even despite the nonsense that is the setup of the episode, it was it managed to actually explore four characters in pretty solid ways. You know, we got like, you know, Picard you know, thinking about the road less traveled and um, Keiko and Miles wondering, can we be a married couple if we can't physically be a married couple? That's that's an interesting question. Like, and then we had a great fucking scene where Guinan essentially explains to Ro that she doesn't owe her childhood trauma ongoing sadness. And I, I might be stretching a little here, but like in every one of those moments, we got like a fun exploration of the character to the point where we learn something about the character. No,
0: and, and it changes them. You're absolutely right about that. Like, uh, like
1: yeah, even that last scene with, um, you know wrote, you know, drawing the picture of a stunningly good picture of her mother for someone who's apparently just picked up crayons, neither here nor there. But like (laughs) we still get a sense of these characters did learn something about themselves, or we as the viewers learn something about them, or at least asked an interesting question. Like
0: Yeah, and so I think I think the problem here is that season one Janeway asks the reasonable question which is, why should I not try to retain this information and stop this from occurring? And season seven, Cote offers her the mostly reasonable explanation that, you know, it's like some good things happened and you would undo those good things and who knows what other things would replace them. Okay, fine. But then season one, Janeway is sort of eliminated. Like those experiences are eliminated and so th- there's no real change. It, like it seems, here's a question. Would, would the episode be better if in this denouement scene, season seven Janeway now recalls having met Chakotay?
1: Right. Yeah, just something to, to give it a little heft, a little, like honestly, I hate to say it because again, I don't think you need to pair characters off for narrative completion or interest. But even if that were the thing, like, if Janeway, like, if some weird quantum whatever was what made Janeway remember both versions of meeting Chakotay were what opened her to the possibility of a relationship, that would at least be something.
0: I'm not even saying, like, a romantic relationship. I'm just saying, you know, like, maybe she says, you know what? You were right. This was worth it. You know, yeah, some, just, some... just
1: just something, because this is, and, and this has been a complaint you, you, you can level at uh, Voyager writ large, is that the reset button always gets set. Like, for all of the absurdity of Rascals, those characters exited that experience with a thing they took with them. Even, even if it were just Picard... Wistfully touching his bald head, <laughs> like there was still a there was still a moment of this was an experience that happened to me that will now be part of and inform later versions of me, and, and I think
0: well you know what the best example of that in TNG is there is a correct answer to this question, what's the best example of a strange anomalous occurrence that changes a character and impacts them in future episodes.
1: Yesterday's Enterprise?
0: No, no. <laughs> Come on, man. Do, 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 now, what do, what do you got? You're going to, you're
1: going to, you wanted to tell me, and I'm going to let you.
0: Do, 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 hmm. Oh, Inner Light. Yeah. <throat>
1: <validation> That's also not the melody from Inner Light, but we'll, we'll discuss your, your, oh, wizard. no, <laughs> that
0: is the melody from Inner Light. That's what he plays on the reskin flute. I know it by heart. Anyhow, that's... The
1: tempo was terrible. I'm just putting that well, off. sure.
0: My my mouth is not a rest can flute. Anyhow, that's an amazing episode and an amazing sort of ripple effect through the future character, which, of course, was then subsequently ignored <laughs> during generations on the TNG movies, but that's another barrel of fish. Um, so, yeah, like maybe season seven is a little late to start something like that, but... Like maybe if Chakotay had given her some sort of memento or something to, to show her that she shouldn't change the future. And then she kept it in a box in her quarters. I'm just spitballing here. You know, it's like, I understand that raises questions of like, so she knew, like it's like FDR knew about Pearl Harbor or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying I have it fully figured out. I'm just saying to make this episode have more impact. I think it would need some sort of lasting impact like that. Um, okay, so anyway, it was a lot of fun. And I think- Yeah, the the, way, yeah the it it, I
1: mean, the Sesca me. scenes alone make this worth the price of admission.
0: Well, and I love Captain Proton scenes, so there's that, you know. I thought up uh, and Naomi stuff was pretty good. Um, we've seen Seven already, you know, whatever um they showed us the macro virus <laughs> uh i think the two vaccine was a little far they didn't need to go there um and that was apparently erased so eh. uh we didn't get to see Kess. um on the balance i it's probably at least a three as far as writing goes as far as acting goes i think everybody brought their a game yeah uh even even Garrett Wang, who does not always get singled out for Praise Among Us, uh, he totally has that sort of season one Harry Kim vibe to him. I um, mean, he
1: literally only had to say, Sir, do I know you, but I will I will not press yeah. that point.
0: I'm just saying he it totally felt like season one Harry. Like I believed that he had had never met Chakotay. <laughs> yep. Um So I think the acting was above average, and I think the production values were above average too. Uh, They did a good job redressing characters, and and it was a bottle show, but things did feel different. Like the number of Starfleet extras on the bridge was excellent.
1: Um, Oh, they should have gone Stoddy back.
0: Now, that would be like a point, an extra point for me, because I love me some Stoddy. Study the hottie.
1: Well, if nothing else, I always appreciate whenever they cast another major with, you know, dark hair and dark eyes. It's just you know, I'm like, you paid attention. Or they uh, could have
0: had the gray-haired guy, the first officer.
1: That's the thing. Janeway was clearly personally, not just professionally, upset at his death, and we never heard boo about him again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe the actor was unavailable. I don't know, but. Uh, (laughs) that would have been nice
1: moving on um
0: so overall what what say you uh
1: i'm but i'm between the three and a four
0: yeah i think it's a four i think it's fun enough to justify the four and i think the acting does enough.
1: it is very fun seska again alone worth the effort expended to make the episode Uh, I think I'm going to tip into a three, if only because I think a seven out of ten actually makes the most sense. Um, This is a solidly entertaining, but kind of narratively empty episode. And I think in the end, I will give that a three. Yeah,
0: Perfectly fair.
1: It's a very close call. I won't dispute that, but... I, I just feel again. Had any current relationship changed, or we learned, even if only the audience learned it, um, and if, if the audience learned it, but none of the main characters retained it, some piece of information about these characters would have been interesting, or and in a bet and the best version. If, so, if they had retained some ongoing additional awareness or change. Because e- even in Relativity, you got the sense that this was like an additional piece of Seven's awareness in the importance of her relationship with Janeway, even if it was only to her. And that that's the element that's missing for me in this episode. It's still super fun. It was... And, and from a production standpoint, very well executed. They, they, they managed the, the, all of the transitions they did. They did very well. In the balance, though, I think I got to go a three over a four for just not giving me that extra element above the novelty.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Uh, well, so that's a seven overall, uh, which, like you said, I think is a perfectly fair rating for an episode like this. Um, Better than all of Discovery and Picard, which is a low standard to be sure, but I can't help but measure it against them now.
1: Well, Um, I mean, Ichev was here and his eye wasn't gouged out. Yeah.
0: This episode has that going for it.
1: I appreciate that argument. (laughs) Oh, did you hear that Gates McFadden is apparently in talks for season two? How do you feel about that? Are you happy or terrified?
0: (laughs) What the fuck? Like... You write this whole fucking stupid ass character for Picard to sit to sit in her place and do all the things that she should be doing. What does she have left to do? Is she gonna get an android body and they're gonna like live happily ever after? I'd actually like the show then. What the fuck?
1: He's fucking. I happy. was. I, I knew you wouldn't be happy reading that story. I'm, I just wanted to get you on record saying it.
0: Well, look. I am all for more Dave McFadden in my life, you know, just like I'm okay. Did I enjoy kind of watching Nepenthe, which everybody holds up as this like, Oh, it's it's the pinnacle of modern Star Trek. No, it's not. It's just effective nostalgia, you know, heartstring pulling, right? Because it had nothing to do with the overall plot of of the fucking story, you know, and it raised more questions than it answered. And it, fridged a character off screen. It was like, it was a piece of shit, just like the other nine episodes or 12 episodes of the show, but it had characters that I love and they were mostly in character the whole way. So that was cool, you know? So that's the best I think we can expect from a Gates McFadden appearance. Like it's going to make no sense. They're not going to give her a fulfilling, reasonable character story following the TNG movies. And then she's going to disappear and have nothing to do with the overall plot. And so what was the fucking point? You know, we're still going to have to watch these fucking murderers and thieves and awful people that we don't care about. And instead of Riker and Troy and Crusher and Worf and Jordy and all, you know, it's like, what is the point of this show?
1: I mean, even if I, I mean, I understand I'll say I understand narratively why you don't want it to just be "let's get the band back together," but having watched, you know, Troy and Riker, I'm like, "Oh, let's just get the band back together!" Like I would watch that.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like either just have a fucking reunion show. I, I mean, would you be interested, Kevin, in a Star Trek TNG movie starring the main cast? getting the band back together, you know? Like I watched six of those movies for TOS and I watched four of those movies for TNG and they were varying levels of quality, but I was all in because I was invested in the characters, you know? Why do it halfway?
1: Yeah, I would watch like a six episode mini season of getting the band back together just to make sure they have the narrative space to make that make it all make sense yeah and then pay off the story but yeah i would i would i would watch them do a get the band back together story why do it they didn't even do it halfway really like it was like
0: this is the story of picard and we're gonna expect you to care about him for all the reasons of things that occurred in tng but we are not going to give you those things So the doctor he talks to won't be the doctor you love, won't be the doctor who diagnosed him with Eremotic syndrome. It'll be some other asshole. And the people that he consults to, you know, become a commando or some shit, it won't be the Klingon that you know and love. No, no, no. It'll be some fucking Romulan housekeepers. You know, it's like, either tell a new story or tell the old story. Now, to be fair, when they told the new story, it was horrible. And then they mixed
1: it with the old story, and that was horrible too. So, I I mean... I mean, my only objection is they didn't do enough with what they had. Like, uh, Amira Vaughn is an amazing actress who I would love to see as the 21st century version of the Romulan commander. Because, like, in her 15 seconds on screen, I'm like, well, I want to know more. And like even um what's his face the the romulan guy the the i can't remember this says Eric? a lot i can't remember his name i'm like even like you're in like you managed to land those jokes about like in very well that's a shocking level of talent because it's a terrible joke on paper <laughs> and you crushed it oh you mean eleanor okay. eleanor thank you i'm like yeah you managed to make all of the individual moments of your character work because you're charming and have amazing cheekbones. It's, it's, again, it's one of those, you have these amazing actors, just give them better dialogue, slightly better dialogue.
0: Well, um, okay. I, j- so, I just we're... feel as though both sets of characters are done into service when you try to smush them together into such a big dumb plot that has to all be, it's like, I'm not getting the Picard I want, but I'm also not getting the Agnes Jurati I want, or the I can't. Who? What are their fucking names again? Uh, the the what's what's his name? Sam Francisco, the, the Latin guy. I don't know. And and what's her nuts? Who lives in the in the desert?
1: I have forgotten the character's name. The actress is Michelle Hurd, and she was amazing. Um, <laughs> These are good actors. We're amazing actors. It, it, no, I, I would just like a little more textures. The fact
0: that I cannot name any of these characters says something. And I don't think it says something about me. <laughs> you know, like I can name all the characters in what we do in the shadows, you know, because I care about them. I can't name half the characters in Picard anymore. I
1: would honestly let the What Were You in the Shadows people take a crack at a season of Next Gen. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I'm holding out this weird, tiny bit of hope for the lower decks animated series because I think it's the one they've apparently given themselves permission to to do happy Star Trek. So I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be good. I'm saying. I feel a weird tingle that it might be good because even if it's wacky in a way that an animated show might let you be, it will still fundamentally be better, more nourishing Star Trek because they give themselves permission to fundamentally be happy.
0: How can you graft fun Star Trek onto the twisted dystopian monstrosity that they've created since 2009
1: well we'll, 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 we'll find out won't we? because apparently as much as we hate all this we still keep paying for CBS All Access
0: well like I said before I tried to quit and they begged me to stay on for a free month so I get the feeling that there are some corporate shenanigans going on behind the scenes also kind of like AOL <laughs> <laughs> remember? I don't know if you remember. Whenever I'm you
1: never, th- Oh no, please. I last time I moved I think I threw out about 7,000 free hours of, of AOL.
0: Yeah. And every time you tried to quit AOL, they would say, "Well, we'll give you another, you know, 6 weeks." You know. I don't think I paid for AOL after like 1996 or something. You know? It's a pyramid scheme. And that's what CBS All Access is. It's a pyramid scheme based on people's love for one thing. And they're not giving us that thing. But you know, now that we've all now that they have all our email addresses, they can just keep offering us free months and try to fake it till they make it. It's like Bernie Madoff in television
1: form. And on and on that encouraging note. Um so yeah, Shatter seven out of ten, which I feel is a fair score. I, I think it, it it is a enjoyable show that was one solid rewrite from an amazing show.
0: Yep, I agree with that. All right, well, live long and prosper, everybody. Hope Hopefully you'll be able to leave your house.